Today on the Money Beat Podcast, Mario Draghi pulls out the man-portable, recoil-free, anti-tank rocket launcher. In other words, the bazooka. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Welcome to a special Thursday edition of the Money Beat Podcast. Paul Vini and Stephen Grosser here with you in the studio. And from London, we have our colleagues, Mike Bird and James McIntosh. And why are we pulling these two very important men away from their desks to talk to us right now? Well, we're doing that because the ECB did something today that you really should be, if you're not already aware of it, you should be aware of it and what it means for the markets. And I will let you guys, I'm just going to let you guys explain, because they, they actually did quite a lot, more than the markets were expecting, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They went, so, uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, broadly speaking, the way I'd put it is he, he took out his bazooka and, and fired, you know, every shot he has almost. Um, so they came out and did a whole bunch of things that people had thought uh, were... Uh, sort of real outside chances. Um, the most obvious is that they're now going to buy corporate bonds, which means they're taking on um, default risk, something right. that they've that basically central banks are allergic to in normal circumstances. Right, and that that's new, and that is that is a significant break with what they've done that's in the a, past, that's right? A, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, and it means that that gets them at least partially out of the problem that it looked like they were going to run out of bonds to buy under the quantitative easing program. There just aren't enough German bonds that fit their conditions for buying. Right. Um, they, they tweaked some of the conditions as well to also make it easier. But the adding, adding in corporate bonds means there's a whole new market there for them to start hoovering stuff up. Um, and then they did another really big deal as well, which is goes by the horrible acronym of TELTRO, um, <laughs> which is a... Um, Basically, they're going to lend money to banks for four years at a rate which could be negative. Now, it's not guaranteed. It depends what the banks do with it. But if the banks go out and uh, lend sufficiently sufficient money into the real economy, so not just for mortgages but for actual uh, things that will help in the economy, then they will pay a rate below zero, which is quite extraordinary that the central bank will be paying, paying banks to borrow money. What now? Why? Why did they decide to do this? Was this really a sort of a focus on, on protecting the banks, which negative rates of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of concern about the health of the banks with negative rates. I think there's been there's been plenty of concern about that, but I think if the ECB had to explain it themselves, it's it's inflation. It's mostly about inflation. They had a new set of forecasts out this morning that shows once again. Uh, lower expectations for inflation coming up um, and at the end of the day um, that's their mandate it's it's not to provide um, profitability for banks even though that's something they're obviously concerned with um, and Draghi has tried to make it as clear as possible that uh, as long as that's the case and it looks like inflation expectations aren't picking up that they will they will keep doing this you know James uh, everyone is saying he pulled out the bazooka, he fired the bazooka, and you had quite a interesting way of putting it. We were impressed here in New York by your, your knowledge of weaponry, where you explained it. You said uh, what he pulled out was the monetary version of a man-portable, recoil-free, anti-tank rocket launcher. It's very impressive. That's a bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he pulls out the bazooka, he fires it, the market reacts. Then the reactions get a little strange, and there is a very arcane thing. Start talking about tiered deposit rates, and we're going to queue up a quote from Mr. Draghi right now. Then I want you guys to explain to us what this means. I've answered before. 
The, by the way, uh, the, uh, the, the final decision on not having a tiering system, an exemption system, was not only this fact of, of not only the desire not to signal that we can go as low as we can, as we want, but also the complexity of the system is remarkable in a country, in an, in an area like the Eurozone, with uh, many banks of different sizes, different conditions, in totally different market situations. So it was both the desire of not signaling, but also the complexity, inherent complexity in that. All right. Uh, somebody explain to me what, what in God's name that actually meant. So uh, start with tiering. Tiering is when you have negative rates, that's effectively a tax on the banking system because the banks have to pay that negative rate on all the deposits they have at the central bank, which is basically all the excess money that's sloshing around in the system that every night ends up back at the central bank. And there's a lot of that because of quantitative easing. So the banks are having to pay this negative rate. Now, tiering is something that the Japanese introduced when they went to negative rates in January. What it means is that you don't pay the negative rate on all of the deposits at the central bank. So effectively, it's a way of cushioning the impact on the banking system, because if the banking system has to pay a negative rate and you're forcing them to have a negative rate on more and more money every month because you keep doing quantitative easing, the result is that you're taxing your banking system. And of course, if you tax your banks, you can't really expect them to get out there and start lending, especially when they're unhealthy to start with. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the point, what Draghi actually said, um, the indication that I think really sent markets completely turning around, particularly uh, the euro, is the reason they didn't bring uh, this tiering in was because they didn't want to give a signal that uh, rates would be cut further into negative territory. So he was effectively uh, putting a lid on easing through that channel um, and the currency markets took it um, Pretty, pretty badly by all accounts. The, the euro rose, I think, by about 3% from, uh, from its lowest point of the day. Right. Um, three, three up to its highest. Three cents. In, in extremely rapid fashion. Yeah. I mean, we were watching it here. Uh, it, it just it shot in the other direction. I mean, it just went really fast. And it shot up above where it, you know, it had started before the meeting, too. Right. That was the other right. interesting and, and then carried on up as well, yeah. which is even worse. I mean, we were absolutely gobsmacked watching it on the screens here. Um, right. Extraordinary turnaround. Um, but effect, the, the reason for the scale of the impact was that having gone out there with this big bazooka and fired everything, people then said, oh, that's it. They're out of ammunition. They're not going to cut rates any further. They're done. There's nothing more they can do now. And they've just said, we, we don't want to do more. So right. That, right. Was a, that, was, that didn't come across well and clearly was not the was not the sort of core point of the of the day for Draghi, but um, it was made perhaps even worse by the fact that this was a prepared answer that he was reading, which did suggest that, that this had been discussed in advance at the, at the um, uh, policy meeting, and the Hawks, uh, who, who didn't actually, the, the leading Hawk, Jens Weidmann of the Bundesbank mm. in Germany, didn't actually have a vote today, which is quite funny that they came out and did such a big such a yeah. big uh, policy action when he doesn't get a vote. But uh, it looked like maybe he had got in his revenge by inserting <laughs> this little clause that they would say right. this, and uh, that really shocked the market. Now, yeah. Let, let's actually, before you go on, let, let's take, we have to take a quick break here. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other, because this is, this is now 
now we're actually getting to the meat of why the markets care about this. And so let's let's get on to the other on the other side of this quick break. We'll talk more about this. Hey, this is Jason Gay. Are you liking this podcast? Well, then check out my podcast, The Free For All, where I talk about I talk about everything, man. That's why it's called The Free For All. For more info, go to WSJ.com slash podcast. That's slash podcast. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. That's The Free For All. WSJ Pods. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Paul Vigny and Stephen Grosser in New York with Mike Bird and James McIntosh in London talking about the ECB meeting, the policy moves that they made, and the market reaction to it. And I think, actually, right now, I want to go to... Well, I, I was just going to ask one question, though. You know, in his response, in, and Draghi's sort of response to this question... I have don't a great you, Draghi quote queued up. Well, I, I just want to... Like, if you're going to gonna pull that. out the bazooka, don't you have to sort of also say that this is going to work? Like, you know, in sort of suggesting that they might actually have to go deeper into negative rates would sort of, you know, undercut, um, you know, the pulling out of the bazooka. Yeah. Can, can we use that to, to go to the, the, the quote from Draghi? Because this is what Draghi said. Yeah. Before at you go into that quote. Oh, yeah, OK. Before, before you go into that quote, I mean, it generally the I mean, you, you wouldn't expect him to have indicated that there was going to be another rate cut right. next month or anything. That would have been odd having pulled out the bazooka. But the will we stand ready to do whatever it takes is the, the is, that he's repeated time after time. <laughs> yes. right. Yeah, and he he was he sounded like he was backing away from that, and that's that's why you why okay. you worry if he's no longer ready. That is the perfect setup yeah. for this quote. Eight fifty six a.m. New York time. This is what Mario Draghi said that completely scrambled the market reactions. We don't anticipate that it will be necessary to reduce rates further. Of course, new facts can change the situation. Yeah, and I think, look, there, there, there's a lot in there that you could take away from that, depending on how you want to really look at it. You know, he added the, the typical central banker uh, caveat of facts could change and we would change our minds. If you wanted to read it positively, you could read it as, you know, him saying we don't anticipate it. Grosser goes to your point of him saying we think this is going to work. On the other hand, and when you look at what the market did, you look what the euro did, stocks, especially here in, in the U.S., the it was still the futures market. To me, it just shows how how badly addicted the markets have come to have become to central bankers, what they do and what they say. Because that statement to me is not a terrible statement to make, but the markets took it very, very badly. Well, on, the, on the face of it, the statement is just a statement of the obvious. I mean, right, of course, exactly. if you anticipated that you were going to cut rates next month, you would have cut them now, right? I mean, right. you wouldn't wait. Right. So, right. you know, I mean, it's a statement of the screamingly obvious. Of course, if situation changes, we'll, we'll, we'll do something different. Yes. I mean, this is their job, right? But, you know, nonetheless, people don't look for... Uh, statements of the obvious from central banks. When they say something, it's carefully considered. And in this case, in particular, he was reading it out. This wasn't a off-the-cuff remark mm. that could be misinterpreted. He right. said this very deliberately. But he did later on repeat it. He read it out again, <clears throat> when it wasn't really necessary, frankly, in the, in the answer to a completely different question. Mm. Um, he read it out again, and he emphasized the caveat the second time, that of, you know, to, as though to try and say, look, okay, I said that, you took it this way, Maybe you shouldn't put so much focus on it, but that didn't have any effect whatsoever. The markets ignored it. Maybe yeah. they'd hung up by then. 
I was going to go, you know, one of the interesting things about the comment and what it did in the currency markets with the euro was one of the concerns here in the U.S. was that we sort of over the last couple of weeks had had a weakening dollar as we were rallying and that this was going to end, especially after the jobs report last Friday in the U.S., and uh, with the ECB, everyone expecting them to, you know, uh, you know, do something like what they did today. But now, all of a sudden, you have the euro, you know, the, the, the dollar is not strengthening, at least today. And obviously, this could change. And that seems like that could be a very uh, – that could be a, a nice little bonus for uh, the U.S. and the U.S. economy because of all the weight that the strengthening dollars had on it. Yeah. And, and of course, it's, it's not just the, the ECB either. This is the second major central bank outside the U.S. this year to come out with a surprise easing policy that markets didn't expect. Right. But where it hasn't caused their currencies to it's depreciate, at least not in a sustained <laughs> right. way, yeah. this is the, the Bank of Japan and the ECB have both seemingly fallen into the same trap. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it also kind of gets to the point of this whole idea of the proverbial, quote-unquote, I'm using my air quotes here that you can't see on the podcast where I'm using them, the proverbial shock and awe statement that the, the, the central banks have relied on. They want to prove something to the market. Those shock and awe statements, the shelf life on them has gotten so much smaller over the years. It has lessened so much. Well, it's, it's you know, seven years in, they just don't right. have the impact that they used to have. Right. I mean, you know. When did Draghi first say, you know, whatever it takes? And he never, he didn't, we, the market didn't make him do anything right. back in, when was that? Was two, that 2012? No. Yeah. Was that that July long ago? July. Holy cow. I can't believe that was that long ago already. It was actually, it was briefly today, the, the Eurozone bank stocks, which went through the roof, as you'd expect, they jumped 7% yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, obviously the central bank gives you free money. Uh, hey, that's good. <laughs> right, right. Like right. That. Um, so... Uh, that was actually their best day since July 26, 2012, that day when wow. Draghi said whatever it takes. But, that's a good, that's you know, it, it raises the larger issue. It's one thing to say the markets react in such a way, you know. But the reason the markets react is because, and there are very real questions, and you hear them everywhere, over how much, well, however you want to describe it, ammo, juice, whatever, how much more central banks can do at this point, seven years after the crisis, where we are, there are there are genuine questions, and that's that going to be exactly a question. It. Yeah, that's exactly it. And actually, Draghi went out of his way twice to say we we we're not out of ammunition. Actually, he said we're not out of ammunitions, but I think that's uh, that's just his Italian uh, accent. But uh, but he he clearly wants to say, look, we can do more. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But the right. market is worried about it. Right. And I, I I think with good reason. I mean, look at the numbers. You know, yeah, we have positive growth numbers here in the U.S. In Europe, you have, you know, depending on which country you're talking about, you have some positive numbers. But, I mean, there is some really positive numbers. Ireland, yeah. Ireland today reported GDP growth of 9, 9%. You know, I totally missed that. That's actually a, that's a huge number. <laughs> that's a huge number, yeah. Uh, that's got to be. There's got to be a good reason for that, though, right? Yeah, they're having the most extraordinary boom after their, after their slump. Wow. So then, all right, if the crisis is over in Ireland, uh, is the crisis over everywhere? And if it isn't over, why isn't it over? And, and where do we go from here? Well, that's that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. If you look, I mean, it's a huge question, but very briefly, you can say, well, look, actually, Spain is growing really nicely. Um, Italy isn't, but never has. Um, that's, that's not related to the crisis, right? It just right. doesn't grow. Right. Greece, obviously, is still completely mm -hmm. stuffed. Um, but, you know... The inflation problem, the, the lack of inflation that Europe has, it should be distinguished from the growth. Because mm -hmm. actually, Europe's been growing 
economic, you know, in real terms, it's growing. Yeah. The worry here is that inflation, low inflation, in fact, deflation, that falling prices, will become entrenched. And that's the danger that, that the central bank's very worried about, that you'll get a Japanese situation where people come to believe in deflation and then stop buying stuff because prices yeah. will be cheaper next month. And that's what they're trying proactively to deal with. Um, but actually, in terms of economic growth, you know, it's okay. It's not great, right? And unemployment's very high, but unemployment's come down quite a lot, and Europe looks kind of, you know, European. I mean, it's not <laughs> brilliant, but it's not terrible. Right. One of the questions, uh, just sort of looking forward God, to... that's so where we are too right now, right? Well, looking forward to next week, we have, you know, both the Fed and the BOJ, you know, meeting and coming out with uh, policy statements. I mean, do you think this has any impact on, you know, what we're going to see from the uh, the two other big central banks? Um, I mean, the, you know, the general sense, I mean, particularly for the Bank of Japan, that you're out of ammunition is it can only be reinforced by this. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that that's relevant to the Fed per se. Um, obviously, the Fed has been quite worried, you know, or right. uh, a bit worried at least, not necessarily that worried, but a bit worried about financial conditions tightening. Um, and, you know, the markets, you know, it would have been great if the markets had a big rebound today, but they didn't. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's... It gets to the whole heart of this sort of tug of war between the central banks and what they're trying to achieve in different countries and the fact that there there still really isn't what the markets really want, which is a, a grand coordinated policy between all these banks. So you end up with the ECB going a little bit deeper into negative r rates there, Japan probably going to have to go a little deeper, and the Fed trying to raise rates because they, they want to get out of all this, you know, historic accommodative policy and kind of being hamstrung by it. They're not I able suppose to, it's really not it, easy to do. It, it's not easy. And and all of the central banks since the, the financial crisis in the advanced world anyway that have, have tried to raise interest rates have, have pretty much had to backtrack. Right. But I mean, I suppose it could be some comfort to the, the Fed in that the... Central banks, they're really diverging from. You have the Bank of Japan and the, the ECB easing uh, while they're trying to hike rates. Uh, it does imply that there's not going to be a, a huge amount of, um, of currency uh, appreciation, uh, even if the Fed does slowly hike interest rates. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, James, Mike, I really want to thank you guys. I appreciate the time. I know you're super busy today, so... Really, it matters. Our reader, our our readers, see how old I am. Our listeners appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank All right. You. All right, fellas. Uh, this is Paul and Stephen in New York, everybody. We will see you. Well, you'll hear us again. I'm getting some old, man. I'm old, gross. I don't, I got to start thinking in podcast terms, right? Yeah. 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 All right. We'll get there. We'll get there, everybody. Uh, listen, thanks. We'll hear, you'll hear from us tomorrow.